Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello everyone and welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode number 395 of uh, one of the world's, you know, kind of somewhat dangerous podcasts or something like that. I don't even know why I'm sticking with that uh, ridiculous uh, tagline. Maybe it's because everything about this podcast is ridiculous. So anyway, I'm solo today, and there are reasons for that that I won't necessarily get into, um, but they some of them have to do with the fact that, uh, you know, I'm going to go watch a concert here soon, and so just working out times with everyone else is, uh, you know, didn't work out. So the concert, by the way, is the Rolling Stones. You may have heard of this band. Um, really excited for that. But anyway, the other reason why I wanted to, to go solo here tonight is that yeah, there's some, you know, at the end of the podcast, there's some things that, uh, a discussion I want to have uh, with you, the devoted listener, and uh, so it's a, it's a conversation that I had last week with some of the Patreon uh, subscribers, and I don't know, just kind of some thoughts about the future of the podcast, and, uh, you know, given what we think is maybe not a great future for the Reds, not that that's ever stopped us before, of course. Uh, but before that, I think there's uh, plenty for us to talk about here as the Reds enter the final week of the, or in the middle of, as you listen to this, the final week of the season and the upcoming weekend, of course, the final weekend of the season. You know, I, I often feel like I'm being too negative. I know that surprises you, right? <laughs> because the off-field stuff really frustrates me because I've seen this movie before, you know? The ownership nonsense, the management nonsense. I've seen this movie before. We've, you know, for the last 25 years, this has been the life of a Cincinnati sports fan, right? And so I let that uh, get to me sometimes. But there's there's real reason to, uh, you know, have some fond memories about this team. You know, the Reds were finally, obviously, as we know, eliminated from the playoff chase on Tuesday, September 28th. And so the Reds aren't going to make the playoffs, which you know, at this point, doesn't surprise anyone given what's happened over the last, uh, you know, six weeks or so. But the Reds literally were eliminated with just four games remaining on the schedule. All right, there's no such thing as a moral victory, right? That's the that's the that's the state the uh, the statement. Um, but you know, this is kind of a moral victory for us. Oh, it's really embarrassing to say it like that, but you know. How many years did it feel like the Reds were out of the race by May over the last 20 years, right? A lot. <laughs> you know, it seems like every year, it seems like, except for maybe uh, 2010 and 12 and 13, those four four consecutive 90-loss seasons. You know, the Reds, again, we, we tried really hard here on the podcast, obviously, to squint and see, well, you know, and that's the term we, we used as well. You can kind of squint and see how if this went right and this went right, this team could be okay. But then, you know, they came out on the field and they played like garbage and um, ended up losing uh, 90 games every season. And it was just, it was, uh, it was miserable. This team wasn't eliminated until there were four games left. And I, I feel kind of guilty that I'm not more excited over that fact. On one hand, I feel guilty. On the other hand, I'm like, is this what the Reds have really conditioned us to do is be happy? <laughs> that they only got eliminated with just a few with a handful of games remaining. The Reds have conditioned us to you know believe that uh, this is the best we can do 
or at least this is better, but the fact of the matter is it is better than what they've done over the last, most of the last, you know, 25 years, which is a sad, sad, sad statement about the Reds that I really don't want to examine too closely because it's a sad statement about the Reds, but what does it say about you and I who follow this team, you know? Every, every game, every, you know, live and die basically with the team. Uh, care more about the team's success than its own owner cares. So uh, let's let's not explore that uh, that line of thought too much because it might uh, reveal that we're all suffering from some sort of, uh, I don't know, some issues. But anyway, the Reds were just eliminated. They have won 82 games as I record this, getting ready to play the White Sox in the second game of the two-game series in Chicago. And, uh, you know, they're 82-76 and 76 right now. They're going to finish with a winning record. Just hear that again. The Cincinnati Reds are going to finish with a winning record. It, it, it shouldn't be such a... <laughs> yeah, it shouldn't be such an exciting thing. But the last time the Reds finished with a winning record in over a full season was literally eight full years ago. Eight years of your life that you will never get back is the last time the Reds finished above 500 in a full season. Now, you know, obviously they were 31-29 last year. I don't count anything that happened in that 2020 season. It was ridiculous, and I don't even... I wish they hadn't made the playoffs last year, frankly, because it just ended up being a disaster. But, so, uh, you know, we're talking one, two, three, four, five, six, seven seasons. Yeah, seven out of those eight that were full seasons, and none of those were a winning record. As a matter of fact, the closest they came to a winning record was back in 2014, 76 and 86, 10 games under. So the Reds are going to be, you know, they're 82 and 76. They have four games remaining, three against the Pirates, and again one against the, the White Sox tonight. You know, best case scenario, they win 86 games. <sighs> now, that's probably not going to happen, but they could win four in a row. You know, we've seen them do it before. 86 games, that's, you know, as disappointing as disappointed as we are by the fact that that ownership and management just basically punted on this season, did not make really any effort whatsoever to improve the team. This bunch of guys came out, and, you know, they're going to win somewhere between 82 and 86 games, which is either, you know, kind of right where you, you thought they were going to be or, or slightly above, I think, for most people. Is that something to celebrate? No, I don't I don't necessarily think it's something to celebrate, frankly. Uh is it something to be frustrated by? Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna try not to be frustrated by it, just because it's just baseball and it's really not that important. Says the guy who talks into a microphone uh, once a week, every single week of the year, basically, uh, more than once a, a week sometimes. Yeah, um, it's frustrating because what's clear is a team that's uh, you know between an 82 and 86 win team, with just a little bit of massaging, with a little bit of work by management by ownership could that team have been a 90 win team a 95 win team i mean i think it's it's clear it's obvious now that yes the answer to that is is yes and so while we should enjoy the fact that the reds gave us a lot of fun moments this year and they ended up being a winning team well it's, it's really hard to shake that that feeling that oh, what could have been what might have been and uh even if you just discount worries over the the future of the organization, which I think are warranted, 
just what what might have been with this team if they just you know let uh, just hang on to uh, Rosella Glacius and Archie Bradley. Maybe go out and improve the bullpen earlier. Don't let the bullpen blow all those games that they blew. This is a 90-95 win team. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind. You know, at the very least, a 90-win team. Does that get them in the playoffs? Maybe not because of the way uh, the Cardinals have played, and more on that in a moment. But still, this is a, this is a team that's competing for the a division title with just a little work by the front office. So anyway, I, I said I wasn't going to. I'm not going to uh, to dwell on that right now because – uh, there are a lot of fun things about this team that I don't want to get lost in the frustration about what's happening off the field. And I'm as guilty as anyone. I'm as guilty as anyone of, of uh, you know, that frustrated frustration kind of boiling over. Um, but I do think we need to kind of remember, you know, this team has uh, had some good moments. All right, you know, let's let's talk about the news of the week, which uh, truthfully there isn't much in terms of news uh of the week, you know, Wade Miley on the disabled list. Um, whatever, season's over. But um, we did get a glimpse at, and I'm going to butcher this name because you, you hear me talk. I butcher every name. I'm like the Joe Nuxall of the, of the uh, podcast sphere. Reaver San Martin. Rez brought him up uh, when they placed Wade Miley on the injured list with a neck strain. I think that neck strain was from watching balls fly past him at the you know, 110 uh, miles per hour exit velocity or higher. Um, not to make fun of Miley too much. He's had a rough September, and I presume he really is not not feeling well. But um, he's been so great all season long. I've, I have nothing bad to say about, about Wade Miley. But now San Martin, he uh, came over in the Sonny Gray trade when the Reds uh, acquired Gray from the Yankees. And during uh, th- this year, at the beginning of this year, he started out in uh, Chattanooga in double A and, you know, 18 innings, only one earned run, five walks, 23 strikeouts. Yeah, pretty good. 0.5 ERA. So it gets bumped up to uh, Louisville or Louisville, if you prefer. And, you know, started 14 times, seven relief appearances and, you know, 3.94 ERA. Um, you know, struck out 89, walked 23. So really not a bad, not a bad line. Um, according to uh, the uh, RedsMinorLeagues.com scouting report, um, he's a lefty, fastball slider, change up, and uh, but he doesn't throw that hard. You know, uh, 92 is sort of around the top of his range, and uh, so you know he's uh, he's good. He's good. That's what I say after watching him one game. Okay, it was against the Pirates, who have you know basically a double A lineup. Uh, but he got the start uh, against the Pirates, went five and two-thirds, gave up one run, um, struck out five, just walked one. I was fairly impressed with him. Again, it was against the against the uh, the Pirates, but uh, I don't know. I was pretty impressed with the guy. So is he, how does he help this team next year? Truth of the matter is, I mean, if, if we're going to be honest, he probably could have helped the Reds bullpen this year. We'll never know because the Reds uh, – Stuck with you know the Brad Brocks of, of the world for uh, most of the season, and the Heath Hembrys, and we didn't get any San Martins. So uh, whatever, I don't again. Do I, do I know that he'd be better than those guys? No, of course not. But again, we'll ne- we'll never know. So you know that's really in terms of uh, news of the week. What else do you need, we need to talk about? The Reds, you know, they did win four in a row after losing the first game of the Washington series. They want. 
the last three against the Nationals and then won the uh, the makeup game against Pittsburgh, so a little four-game winning streak to bump them back over the you know the the break-even point. 282 wins. We'll see what happens the rest of the way. You know, it doesn't really matter, but man, wouldn't you like to see the Reds win those last four, get the 86 wins? That's that's a good that's a good number. It's a good number. Uh, then again, does it make you more frustrated <laughs> if they get to 86? Because then, oh wow, they definitely could have gotten to you know 90, 95, or somewhere in there and been in the race. And so, you know, uh, one of the things that I think it's appropriate to ask at this time of year with this type of team, and I think it's more of a, a complicated question than we get in uh, after most seasons. Like, you know, uh, think about one of those 90 loss seasons, 2016, for example, 90 plus losses. The question of how do we, how, how's this team going to be remembered going forward? How are the 2016 Reds going to be remembered going forward? You know, that's not nearly as interesting a question as how this year's team, the 2021 Reds, are going to be remembered. The 2016 Reds, I guess you can, you will remember, I don't know, uh, you know, Yvonne De Jesus playing 104 games. Did you remember that? Yvonne De Jesus played 104 games. What about Tyler Holt played 106 games? Do you remember that? Tony Renda got 67 plate appearances. Steve Selsky got 54 plate appearances that year. I'm sure you remember that, right? Patrick Kivlahan, he only played three games. What about, uh, you know, the immortal Ross Ohlendorf getting 64 uh, relief appearances? Blake Wood leading the team with 70. Hey, he was actually decent that year. Oh, man, what a team. Kevius Sampson, remember that guy? Oh, the Caleb Cotham. Yikes. J.J. Hoover with his 13.5 ERA. Tim Melville with his 11 ERA. There was a player for the Reds named Abel De Los Santos. It's just five years ago. Do any of you remember Abel De Los Santos. What about Matt McGill? Now, I know we all remember Lane Sumpson with his 19.290 ERA. Good grief. So, uh, what are we going to remember about the 2021 Reds? You know, we're going to remember a lot, frankly. And, you know, for most of September, I kind of thought, you know, the, the narrative around this team going forward is going to be this collapse. This quote-unquote late-season collapse. On August 22nd, the Reds were 12 games over 500, right? Remember they had taken control of the uh, that second wild-card spot from the Paters? And uh, as my uncle used to call them when, uh, when I was a kid, the San Diego Paters. And uh, it really at that point, look, oh gosh, this team, this team is the real deal. And again, in retrospect, I guess I need to remind myself of what I always say. A team's never as good as they look at their best, and they're never as bad as they look at their worst. And the Reds proceeded to vomit all over themselves uh, after that. Lost 18 out of 27, and they were gone. So for most of this month, I think that probably that was going to end up being the narrative. Reds management, you know, uh, bumbled their way, penny-pinched their way, um, through the season, never Reds never had a, a full roster. I've been, what I've been saying all year, you know, eighteen to twenty actual major players on the roster. I think that's fair. Um, and apologies to uh, my friend who is the eleven uh, U coach that I have been uh, inadvertently uh, offending by comparing Reds management to a, a bad, a bad eleven U. 
about a living you uh, travel team coach, right, in terms of the way they decided to, to put players on the roster and who gets to play. By the way, since we're talking about our loyal viewers, I've got to uh, correct an omission from last week. When, uh, when Chris and I talked, we were so, uh, you know, into the sell the team Bob uh, nonsense that I completely neglected to give a big thank you to one of our friends, our, one of our newest friends at patreon.com slash redlegradio, patreon.com slash redlegradio, where you can, uh, can support the podcast. And I appreciate all of you that are uh, joining up, even at the end of this season. You know, this family keeps growing. We're having a great time. Uh, despite, maybe maybe because of, of, of the way the Reds have played this end of the year here, you know. Misery Love Company, right? So I want to give a big thank you to Calvin Medcalf. Calvin Medcalf. Calvin, uh, appreciate you joining the uh, the Red Leg Nation radio family. And, you know, i got to say, Calvin is from uh, from the old country. Across the pond over there in... Uh, in uh, England, right? What's the deal with that? You know, we fought a war to get away from you, Calvin. Yeah, because that's probably not the way I should be talking to a member of the family, right? So, Calvin, um, I'm trying to decide whether we should give you a spot on the Beer League softball team, which is what we usually do when we get a new uh, new patron. I'm wondering if we should start a Beer League cricket team or a Beer League uh, you know, football team, by which I don't mean American football. So I'm going to let Calvin decide whether he wants to be the uh, the captain of either the, the bearded cricket or uh, or football team. Um, but either way, you're going to be my assistant manager um, as long as you don't bring that King George III with you because we don't like him over here. Calvin, thank you so much. Um, sorry for the ridiculous uh, statements about your home country, but you know what? You already knew I was an idiot when you signed up. So, All right, so anyway, back to... Uh, the, the narrative around the Reds. And yes, this is what I wrote about uh, at the magazine this week, but I wanted to dive into it just a little deeper today because, uh, you know, there's not so much I can say in, in one column, and I think it deserves a little bit more of an examination. And I appreciate those of you that reached out to me to, uh, on Twitter to give me uh, you know, your thoughts about how the team's going to be remembered. Um, you know, and I think everybody's going to remember it differently, obviously. But I've moved away from thinking that the team that the team will be remembered for this quote unquote collapse. First of all, uh, it, a real crazy way to uh, think about this is the reason that the Reds are not going to be, I don't think, remembered for this collapse. To the extent you can call it a collapse, um, and I don't know that you can because of the St. Louis Cardinals. <laughs> we kind of need to think the St. Louis Cardinals for saving us from uh, deeming the season a collapse. Because even if the Reds had kept playing 500 ball or slightly above where they, you know, if, if they hadn't lost 18 out of 27, the Cardinals on a run like this, we're going to catch them anyway. So I don't know. I, you know, I, uh, again, it's, it's reasonable to look back at this team and be extremely frustrated because the way management screwed this team. And that, that was the reason why they, you know, fell apart basically for a month after they had taken control of the wild card race. But I think there's another way to look at this club and it's going to be the way that I'm going to try to choose to remember this team. Uh, maybe, maybe strictly because specifically because I worry about the direction that management's headed. And I think that you can remember that this was 
in a lot of ways, incredibly fun team. Yes, they were flawed. Yes, they had an incomplete roster. Yes, the lows were really low. But how much fun do we have at times during this season? I think, you know, the first three months felt like a slog at times. And that was almost entirely because of the bullpen. Also because of the, you know, the black hole at shortstop for the first three months of the year. There, there were times that it did not feel much fun, but there were also times when it felt really fun. You know, think back to Nick Castellanos and flexing on the, you know, I guess the Cardinals, uh, suspended for all that. Think about early in the season, this team, man, they were they played hard, they played, uh, you know, for each other. They had a chip on their shoulder. They gave us something to enjoy, Not to me anyway. I mean, that was fun. That was fun watching uh, them have some fun out there. You know, to me, it was fun watching Amir Garrett and his antics on the mound that ultimately he had to give up because he couldn't get anyone out, and you can't really. can't really. Antics don't work if you can't get anyone out. Just just telling you that from my, from my performance on the beer league softball team. I couldn't get anyone out. So, but anyway, you know, there were those moments all season long where you're like, you know what? I really like these guys. I really like these players on this team. I mean, who on this team, who on this Reds roster is not likable? I mean, I'm looking over the roster here. I'm trying to, who who on this team? I mean, besides Max Schrock, what a jerk that guy. No, that's a joke. Um, you know, as Rubal Cabrera, I don't know if he's likable or not. He's barely. He did get two hits. Who's unlikable on this team? I mean, you know, I can't see anyone that you'd be like, oh, gosh, I hate having that guy. You may hate having a guy on the team because of the way he performs, but not because, you know, he did something that made it difficult for you to root for him, unless you're one of these guys that doesn't like uh, Amir Garrick's antics. I just don't like Amir Garrick giving up home runs. I love the antics. Also, you may have noticed, I like saying the word antics. So anyway, it was a fun thing. I think I think that when we look back, you know, when we look down at the baseball reference page, the roster, we're like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that guy. Yeah. Oh, wow. Tyler Naquin, man, that was fun. That was a fun season. You know, we only had it one year, but, man, what a, what a year. You know, oh, man. Uh, you know, Schrock. Schrock played well in the time he was here, you know. I mean, you're going to remember that Eugenio Suarez kind of stunk it up, although he's been a lot better in September. Got me, got me dreaming that he's back. Just somebody smack me. You know, it's going to be one of these prove it to me first, right? I'm not going to fall for that. But as uh, someone said on, on Twitter, this is going to be what the Reds are going to use uh, to justify not improving the team. Well, we got, you know, Suarez coming back. He hit well in September. He's going to be back to his old self. You know, it's just, a, you know, we'll look at this baseball reference page and see Musakas who didn't hit well. Aquino just, hell, I don't know, Aquino. I thought he was going to be okay, and I still think he could be okay, but what are you, you going to say? He didn't perform. You know, we're going to look at this pitching staff and be like, oh, man, this is a fun pitching staff. Oh, yeah, that was the year when Castillo started off so bad, but then turned uh, out to be outstanding. Oh, it was Tyler Miley's breakout season. You know, Oh, yeah, Wade Miley. That was the year Wade Miley, and this was one of the big highlights of the year. Wade Miley, the home run. His son put the uh, Incredible Hulk tattoo on his forearm and uh, all that uh, that narrative around that. That's fun. And, and Wade Malley had a great season. 
we're going to look back at it and maybe I'm think, oh, look at Sonny Gray's numbers. They're better than I remembered. Go look at his numbers. He's had a good season and just for some reason didn't ever feel like a good season. We're going to be like, oh, yeah, 25-year-old uh, Vladimir Gutierrez. More on him in a moment. Um, that was his year. Uh, then we'll see the bullpen. That's when you'll stop scrolling down the baseball reference page. Oh, my goodness. Stop scrolling, Chad. Stop scrolling. Stop scrolling. Okay, there. Let's go back up to the top. Um, so, ultimately, I think you can make a case this team was fun. They were fun. The biggest, uh, to me, the biggest highlight for me personally, and I know for a lot of you, Joey Votto. He's 38 years old now. Joey Votto is 38 years old now. 270 average, 379 on base, 568 slugging, 138 OPS plus, 35 home runs, 96 RBIs with four games remaining. Um, you know, those are uh, the homers and RBIs. He hasn't approached those totals since uh, 2017. If you'll recall, that's the year that he finished second in MVP voting. His, uh, you know, all the all the advanced stats put him within the top five to six National League hitters at 38 years old. This does not happen. I will insist that every single thing we'd seen in baseball history would lead anyone to the reasonable conclusion that Votto was in his uh, decline phase. And if he'd kept doing what he was doing, he, he was going to continue to decline, period. There's just no question. He couldn't command the strike zone like he used to. He just, at his age, no one can. But Votto was able to do something that only the very best hitters can do, which is perform at this level at this age. That'd be a fun uh, little research project that maybe you would expect that I would have done, but I didn't. I'm not going to prepare that much for you guys. Come on. Uh, but to find out who, how many hitters at age 38 or older had better seasons than Joey Ball in the history of baseball. There are, there are going to be plenty of them, but they're all going to be, you know, Hall of Fame names. Uh, yeah, maybe not maybe not 100%. You know, there are outliers uh, when you look at any, any kind of a category, but almost, pretty much everyone on that list, I'm, I predict, will be Hall of Famers, just like Joey Votto is. You know, um, I guess we can exclude the, the Barry Bonds of the world, although I wouldn't. Barry Bonds needs to be in the Hall of Fame, and if you disagree with me, well, it's fine. You can disagree with me. I don't care. Uh, you know, Barry Bonds, I think everyone should use performance-enhancing drugs. I like home runs. Hot take for you there. Um, so, anyway, Joey Votto. Uh, as it turns out, that, that fountain of youth, as I said in the magazine, it must be in Canada. I mean, really, it's just, it's it's been so much fun to watch. And what's also been fun to watch that I didn't really get to expand upon in my in my column is that what makes this even more fun for me personally, as a, as a guy who has tried as hard as he could to enjoy every day getting to watch Joey Votto play over his career. Because, you know, there's a really good chance that I'm never going to see another player as good as Joey Votto, another, another hitter as good as Joey Votto. Um, in the rest of my, you know, career as a Reds fan, quote unquote, however long that's going to last, who knows? And more on that later. But the fact that over the last few years, Votto has kind of, you know, he, he's he's taken the veil off a little bit, 
to coin a term. He's let us see who Joey Votto is a little more, right? He We've seen his personality more. It's almost like he flipped a switch at some point and decided he needed to do that. Um, and, and maybe it was to help him have more fun himself on the field. You know, he's so focused all the time. It's good to see him having some fun on the field and just showing us his personality and, you know, some of his uh, his postgame well, and, uh, you know, spring training uh, interviews are just legendary. He's just having fun. And I don't know. There's so many of you, not very many of you listen to this podcast, I, I bet. But a lot of people, because I they yell at me all the time uh, in my mentions on Twitter, who do, have not appreciated Joey Votto. They think he's the reason why the Reds, specifically his contract, is what kept the Reds from from winning over the years, and also that he's overrated because he walks too much. And that just, I don't understand how you can watch a guy like this and not just appreciate that we're watching one of the best careers in the history of this franchise, and yet want to criticize that. But that's a, that's a that's a Cincinnati tradition. That is a Cincinnati tradition, right? Adam Dunn, Junior Griffey. Um, late career Barry Larkin even got a lot of this. Um, you know, Eric Davis. Eric Davis was, you know, criticized. This has been something we see. Uh, the best players in town, for some reason, face this level of criticism like it's their fault. It was Adam Dunn's fault that the Reds were bad. It's, you know, wanting to, to focus on the flaws of a player rather than what they do well. Uh, meanwhile, you know, the, the Chris Steins of the world are, you know, beloved figures. <sighs> anyway, speaking of beloved figures, another thing that was so much fun for me this year were these rookies. Uh, you know, Jonathan India. Look, I said in spring training, he hasn't proven anything to me yet. He's going to have to prove it to me. Um, yeah, he proved it to me. I mean, Jonathan India, what a what an unbelievable season. By uh, Fangraph's wins above replacement, Jonathan India has the the highest wins above replacement on the entire team. 271 average, 378 on base, 463 slugging, 21 homers. I mean, for real. No one could have predicted that at age 24. And it's just been it's been fantastic to watch. And, it's, and it causes a real problem for the Reds uh, going into next year, which is that, you know, you got Suarez and Moustakas. They've been trying to juggle it here at the end of this year, but Moustakas being hurt uh, helped, the, helped the, you know, resolve some of the issue. But uh, second base is spoken for, for the foreseeable future. And uh, and Jonathan Indy is more than just a gorgeous head of hair, although although he does have a gorgeous head of hair. Yes, yes, I'm envious. He's here to stay. I mean, we've you know, seen the beginning of a really what should be a really good career for the Reds, depending on how long they keep him. We'll see. But relatively cheap right now and very productive, and I am a huge, huge Jonathan India fan. He's not my favorite rookie of this bunch, though. I, I'm telling you, man, I think Tyler Stevens, also 24 years old, 283 average, 366 on base, 429 slugging as a catcher. I think he's the star of this group. I've said it a few times, and I believe it. I think Tyler Stevenson makes more all-star games going forward than any player on this roster. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think starting next year, he's going to get the lion's share of starts at catcher. He's also available because his bat's so good to play, you know, uh, back up Votto at first base, for example. Be really interesting to see what happens if the Reds do not bring back, don't pick up the, the 
the uh, club option on Tucker Barnhart to kind of be his caddy would be the stupidest thing in the world not to bring him back. Tucker Barnhart's the perfect quote-unquote caddy for for Stevenson going forward. I don't Again, this is a situation where I don't need to get upset before the Reds actually do the wrong thing. They may do the right thing. Uh, I, I don't anticipate it, but anyway, but but Tyler Stevenson, this guy's going to be a star. If if he can stay healthy, this guy is has all the tools to be the best Reds catcher since uh, since Bench. Who is the best Reds catcher since Johnny Bench? You know, that's a hmm. Tucker Barnhart's in that conversation, right? Two gold gloves. Um, you know, Devin Mezzarocco had the great season before injuries just uh, obliterated his career. Bless his heart, as, as we say in the mountains. Oh, you know, uh, Alex Trevino, Dan Bilardello. You know, Joe Oliver called a good game, a good defensive catcher, but you know, couldn't hit much. But he was a, he was a catcher. He, he may have more starts. He and Barnhart probably have the most starts, I would guess, of any Reds catcher since. Bench. Bo Diaz was good for a little while. I don't know. I, again, I'm just taking names off the top of my head. But um, again, it's an example of me not doing not doing any research. Yeah, sorry about that. But Tyler Stevenson. Uh, you know what? What a what a joy! What a joy to watch that guy kind of grow into his career. And and something I love about Stevenson in India is that man, they they seem like they're enthusiastic. That they're really happy to be on a big league field. Right, not that some of these other guys don't. I mean, you know, Castellanos, 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 Nick Castellanos. He um, he looks like he's mad at the world when he's out there because that's who he is. Uh, you know, he's he's having fun and but he's locked in and he you know uh, he didn't have that smile all the time. You don't have to have a smile all the time. I love Castellanos. I want him, I want him back. But it, it just and maybe it's just a subjective thing that you look at. India and and Stevenson it just seems like they kind of got this glow about them. I'm actually on a big league field, and that's you know that's probably just me making things up. But uh, I enjoy those guys. And you know, on the pitching side, I mentioned Gle- uh, Gutierrez. A couple of rookie pitchers have really stood out as well. Gutierrez, what, you know, nine wins, roughly an average starter. As a 25 year old, do you know how hard it is to be an average starter in the big leagues? People think, hey, what's the big deal? He's an average starter, you know. 4.74 ERA. You know, 101 ERA plus. To be a rookie, to be an average starter, is a, it's a big deal. And he's a guy that's like, he most of the time like he's in control. Loved him. And you know who's shown us uh, lately? It's turned out to be, uh, you know, I hope the real deal going forward, 24-year-old, Tony Santion. He's pitched incredibly well out of the bullpen. But remember when the Reds had to uh, send him back down because he had options? And they wanted to keep keep uh, Heath Embry and uh, and Brad Brock. That's <sighs> the stuff that frustrates me. I'm gonna punch this microphone if I can talk about this too much. I apologize. So anyway, that's you know the rookies on this team. I think that's a you know when you look back, we look back at this team in five years, we're gonna see this uh, roster. We go, oh yeah, man, those rookies were fun that year. That was wild. And and you know, hopefully. It's going to be in the in the context of uh, saying, yeah, that was the beginning of when the Reds, you know, the, the next year they brought up Hunter Green, Nick Lodolo. They should have brought him up in 2021, but they didn't. Uh, you know, that's when uh, Jose Barrero finally gets a shot, you know. Uh, Dory Moretta, he came up uh, at the end of the year, and they didn't let him play. Just like Barrero, they didn't let him play. But this was the beginning of a run with all these young guys. And so that's what I hope we're saying in five years. That was the beginning of a magical run. That will depend on uh, – you know, the Castellinis and, and, and management 
filling the rest the holes around the diamond instead of just depending on these guys and again I'm not talking about that so but anyway that, when I look back that's what I'm gonna that's what I'm gonna think about something else I'm gonna think about when I look back at the 2021 Reds are the all-star guys right I've been calling them the dynamic duo duo all year because I'm not very clever but you know Nick Castellanos and Jesse Winker both, I mean, go look at go look at Fangraph's leaders leaderboard. They're both top five, top ten hitters in the league. You know, there's had three hitters in the top ten, and then a different guy's the leader in in in, in Fangraph's WAR for the Reds. It, it, that's fun. That's amazing. And Castellanos, man, thirty three homers at this point. Um, I think he's thirty three. Yeah, thirty three. And uh, how many RBIs does he have now? Let's see here. What's his name? Castellanos. Yeah, 33 homers, 97 RBIs. What's he going to do? We don't know. <laughs> you know? And I know it's what everyone wants to talk about. But, man, I'm going to, if he does leave, and, again, I don't think that it's 100% that he's going to leave. I think there's a reasonable chance that he's going to stick around. There are reasons that he could, that he would look at Great American Ballpark and say, yep, that's where I need to be. Um, there's also, you know, you got, you got to understand that it's a short career. He's in his 30s. If someone is willing to lay out a fat contract for him, that gives him even more money to more security. You can't blame the guy. You can't blame the guy. I know everyone will blame the guy because that's the way things work. But uh, just an incredible season. And, and Winker, you know, the injuries have, uh, you know, made the, the, the Homer RBI totals, uh, you know, not exactly what we were hoping for. But, man, 305 average, 394 on base, 556 slugging. Those guys, those guys are just flat out fun, flat out fun to watch. And uh, and it's been it's, when they were, you know, kind of in, in in May and June, when they were kind of fighting each other for the honor of who's the best hitter in the league, you know, who's the MVP candidate, which which one of these guys. I really think when we look back at this team, we're going to remember that stretch, and and you know how much just how amazing they both were, and then they've got their first All Star game, and hopefully not their last. All-Star game. Uh, you know, I don't think it will be uh, Jesse Winker's last All-Star game. I don't think it'll be Nick Castellanos' last All-Star game. But you don't know that. You never know. Um, so, you know, Johnny Cueto, I don't think, has made a single All-Star team. Maybe I'm misremembering that. But, you know, really good players don't don't make the All-Star team often. Uh, you know, so I will remember that this year those guys were special. They were really special. And you know what? These last few games can change the narrative even more away from that quote-unquote uh, collapse, right? 85 games, 86 wins, something like that. You know, one of the one of the uh, criticisms that I've had of David Bell, again, and I just think he's just a mediocre manager. He is what he is. I don't have any great things to say about David Bell, and I don't really have any awful things to say about him, although, boy, again, people like to yell at me about all the bad things to say about about him. The, the Reds not w- making the playoffs this year. Is, I have had people literally tell me this week it's entirely David Bell's fault because he pitched the wrong pitchers and he started the wrong lineups as if he had very many choices. And he did do dumb, he does, does, does dumb stuff all the time. That's why I just say he's a mediocre manager. But... Uh, uh, blaming him, but anyway, one of my criticisms—I'm easily, you know, distracted 
like you know somebody dangles a you know, shiny object in my you know peripheral vision I, I can't I lose concentration what was I saying David Bell my criticism of him has been that people want to say well the players love playing for him and you know so he you know he's doing something right in terms of the the, the team and I'm like well maybe he is good in the clubhouse Dusty Baker definitely was but with Dusty Baker, we saw that on the field. We saw him do dumb stuff, but the team still performed well on the field. With David Bell, at no point in David Bell's career have the Reds punched above their weight. Have they outperformed expectations? They've been below expectations. And so, you know, I'm perfectly willing to believe that David Bell is a is a fine manager, but, you know, show me the – I'm not expecting to win 100 games with this team. Or last year's, you know, when you know more than what they did last year on last year's team. But I am expect them to, you know, if he's so good at the off-field stuff, you'd expect it to show up on the field at some point. Well, this year they, you probably, I probably can't say that. They probably have played better than, well, no, certainly better than what most preseason projection systems thought they were going to do. And so, you know, you got to give Bell some of that credit, I guess. How much? I, I think, frankly, we give uh, the manager far too much credit and far too much blame both but you know what ultimately this team literally gave us meaningful baseball games that actually meant something all the way till september literally to the to the last week right and you know i guess uh, the, the cardinals big run is going to make us maybe forget that how much of a collapse it was and you know um but as i said at the magazine that's probably the most cincinnati way to lose have your best season in years, only to see St. Louis sneak up from behind to steal the postseason berth. Oh, my goodness. I hate that team. You know how much fun it'll be, though? I'd love to see the, the Cardinals win every game the rest of the season. You know, finish with a, what, 20-21 game winning streak and then lose the wild card game and the season be over. Wouldn't that be fantastic? That's literally the one thing I'm rooting for at this point. I'm rooting for the Cardinals to win the rest of their games. If they if they're still the winning streak's still alive by the time uh, – this uh, plays in your in your ears, uh, and then lose that wild card game. Ah, oh, be glorious, be glorious. So I don't know how are you going to remember the team. Let me know. Uh, you know, was, again, many of you has have told me. You know, a lot of a lot of how we're going to remember this team is going to be tied up in what happens in the coming years as well. Uh, like I said earlier, is is it going to be? The you know uh, the first year of a fun run, where the young guys finally took over and gave us a, a burst of enthusiasm and a you know, bunch of wins going forward, is that going to be the case, or is this going to be seen as the last fun team before you know ownership just completely punts on uh, on their fans again? I think that if you don't have to read the tea leaves too well to to, to guess what's about to happen, and I think we've gone into that. Uh, uh, in depth, we beat that horse way too much. But you know, either way, this was a fairly fun team, flawed but fun, that provided us some good times uh, during the season. You know, <laughs> I guess w- when you're a Reds fan, you're not going to win ever. You're just not. That's th- there. How many of you all have never seen the Reds advance in the playoffs? Exactly. So, if you if you just kind of use that as your baseline, well, we know we're not going to actually win anything. 
well, you know, can the team give you some fun? This is supposed to be a diversion for all of us. It's not, it's not real life for all of us, right? I know a lot of you live and die with the Reds, but it's, it's baseball. It's diversion. And this team, if you follow them really closely, frustrated you. But this team also, you know, had Joey Votto and, you know, Castellanos and Winker and all those rookies. It was fun. Not a good time. And uh, it wasn't always a good time. You know that from listening to me every week. But it was a good time. And uh, I didn't want this season to end without acknowledging that, yes, we're gloom and doom sometimes. But I follow the Reds for the fun stuff. And I, far too often I let the offseason stuff color the way I feel about the, the, the product on the field. But I like this team. This is one of, this is one of the most likable Reds teams of my lifetime. Probably not the most likable. I'll concede. But you know, even the, you know, think about the the 2010 to 2013 run. I think guys like Ryan Ludwig, who you know blamed the fans for not being loud enough. You know, Jim Edmonds. Remember that guy? I mean, there were some guys that were just like indifferent to or whatever. This this team was a fun team. I just wish they had been given enough help to get across the finish line because this would have been a fun team to watch in October, wouldn't it? It would have been a blast. And I thought we were going to get there. Maybe next year? I'm not going to hold my breath. Okay, so now um, I, I hinted at the beginning of the podcast that there was there were a few things that uh, I wanted to say. And again, I've already had this conversation with some of our Patreon subscribers. And when the, the Bodie, Cal Bodie, uh, C.J. Gilman stuff happened and all the stuff I was I was hearing about, just what you're seeing about the, the way that the new direction of the Reds, which is basically the old direction, they're moving away from some of the advanced uh, concepts where they were leading the, the league in terms of analytics in some areas and implementation of kind of advanced techniques of training and of development. When all that came down, and that was the whole conversation we had last week, the, the truth of the matter is I thought really long and really hard about calling it quits here on the podcast. Not because, oh, I'm taking my ball and going home, or, you know, like, here's more, here's a bump boycott. I'm not going to talk about the Reds anymore. No, it was, it was more of, you know, I put a lot of time into this. We're almost 400 episodes now, and, and I have been on uh, all of them except for just, you know, a, a handful, basically. And, you know, I, I take very seriously the commitment to getting this out to you. Every Friday morning, it's in your podcast feeds. It's up on redlegnation.com. And that takes, it takes something away from my family. It takes something, uh, you know, heck, I could be doing a lot of other things. I follow the Reds extremely closely, and I probably would if I weren't doing this podcast, but I, I follow them a little closer because I know I'm going to talk about them. I try to talk about them with a little bit of, you know, a little bit of authority, right? I like watching movies. You all know that. I, I could watch a lot more movies if I didn't have to do a podcast every Thursday night and then edit the podcast and then you know prepare it to be posted, write the posts, get everything, uh, make sure it goes out to all the podcast feeds, all that stuff that I have to do that you know, it's behind the scenes that most people don't really think about. Um, you know, it's more than just talking into a microphone. You know, uh, I could use that time to do other things. Ultimately. 
I enjoy doing it. And I guess what I'm going to say is that, uh, you know, after discussions with some people, including my brother, Nate, who's been on the podcast, and uh, and Bill Lack, um, I decided, you know what? I don't want to go out like this, basically. It's uh, part of it is that I'm having fun and the, the community that's grown up around uh, Red Lake Nation Radio through the Patreon, the Patreon family. And even those of you that don't subscribe, because you're still part of the family if you're not subscribed there. But um, and I enjoy love talking to you on, on Twitter and email somebody via email. It's fantastic. I really appreciate it. All the conversation on and all, you know, those of you that stick with this podcast every week, even when they're playing bad. And it, it just amazes me how many of you listen week after week, despite the way that the, the you know the Reds are playing, or even the years where we had no hope. Uh, that means a lot to me. You know, now the reason why I'm actually excited about the future of this podcast, a couple things. First of all, the re- I've taken very seriously my responsibility, and it's going to sound like I'm blowing myself up, and I'm not. I'm really not. You all know I'm an idiot. I tell you that all the time. But I try, and everything I write at the magazine, in my newsletter, uh, you know, everything I used to write at Red Lake Nation. I've tried to take very seriously my role, I guess a self-appointed role, but as voice of the fan, because I don't see anyone else doing that, or very few people doing that. You know, occasionally uh, Mo Egger dips into that territory, and, and Lance McAllister sometimes on the radio try, tries to be. Um, but I feel like I'm the only person that's regularly publishing that's going to tell it like it is with this team. Now, there are reasons why some of the others don't. You know, the beat writers... They don't, that's not their job, really. They're reporters. It's their job to report, right? And, uh, you know, uh, Paul Doherty sometimes dips in with his inanity in the Inquirer, but there's no one uh, at, at the Athletic or at the Inquirer or any other local media that actually tells it like it is. And do I get it right all the time? No, I try to. But I'm also not going to sugarcoat things as I see them. And I'm also not going to hesitate to say something bad about Bob Castellini because I don't care if uh, he doesn't allow me access to the stadium. I'm already boycotting him. You can't keep me out of the stadium. You can't fire me. I quit. You know? And so ultimately, uh, my brother Nate kind of put it to me as, you know, somebody has to be the voice of the fan at this time where it looks like the Reds are getting ready to tear things down just as they were just as they were on the brink of providing real dividends and can I you know do I have this huge platform no but I do have a little platform and you know I was going to give up my Cincinnati Magazine column Uh, they may not ask me back next year I don't know Um, but you know we're eight seasons in now and my editors let me write whatever I want to write they don't care that I criticize Bob Castellini matter of fact they like it because you guys go click on it when I when I slam Castellini uh, and a lot of new people go click on it every time I slam Castellini. Uh, there's uh, there's a readership for that because fans are frustrated. And so I don't come at this from a, a professional reporter standpoint. I come at it from it as a fan. I'm, I'm, one, of, I'm one of you guys, right? And uh, I've been given an opportunity to talk a little bit. I created this opportunity to talk, but then an opportunity to write about uh, the Reds a little bit. So so we're gonna keep we're gonna keep going. And in fact, we're not just gonna keep going. Uh, we have some big things in the store and, you know, so we, over the last week or two, we've made real progress in the new 
Red Lake Nation Radio. More information on that very soon. Uh, it's going to be it's, it's it's incredibly exciting. I wish I could, I wish I could tell you now exactly what's going to be. So we may take a little brief hiatus after the season to get everything ready, and then we're going to blow it out of the water after that. And I really think you're going to enjoy what we have coming. And that's not just for the the, the folks that are in the Patreon family. It's also for you know those of you that just listen on the uh, on the free feed because uh, you know we're frustrated and we're not going to take it anymore as fans, right? I don't know what we can do. This is not European soccer. We can really do anything, but I don't know. I, I mean, I'm mean, far from being ready to give up the podcast. I am incredibly excited about what we've got in store. So I hope you'll stick with us uh, through the off season. We're going to be introducing some things through the off season and, and uh, next year we're going to be, uh, we're going to have, a, we're going to have a fun time. We're going to have a lot of fun. And I hope we have some things that make it easier for everyone to get involved in the podcast. That's, that's all I'm going to say right now. I, I want to tell you, um, but I'm just not going to yet. So anyway, thank you all so much for listening. You know where to subscribe if you want to subscribe. I'll tell you this, that um, my boycott of Bob Castellini has lasted the entire season. I did not go to Great American Ballpark at all this year. Um, it was it was less difficult to maintain the boycott than I expected it might be. Part of that's because I went to other MLB stadiums, and I, I, it's not that I boycotted baseball. It's lots of baseball games. Um, but you know what I'm going to be doing this weekend? Going to my second uh, FC Cincinnati game. Uh, that's a great stadium. If you've not if you've not been there, go support FC Cincinnati. Although they're oh, he, oh, they're not good. They're just not good. But man, what a fantastic experience! The you know the the atmosphere of the stadium is fantastic. The stadium is fantastic. So if you're going to be there, let me know. Say hi. Um, look for me. Also, you know, I'm planning. Saturday morning, I'm going to be at the, I think we're going to go to Molly Malone's in Covington to watch the soccer in the morning. My guys, Tottenham Hotspur, were supposed to be playing, but their game's been moved to moved to Sunday. But uh, we're going to go and, uh, and watch Chelsea. They have a game, and uh, I think Wolverhampton has the other game. I don't know, but we're going to go and uh, maybe watch some soccer that morning, maybe some Geta. If you, if you shoot me a shoot me a, a message on Twitter or something, say, hey, see you there. If you want to come by, come by and say hi. Um, but uh, there are going to be more opportunities to drop by and say hi to me in the coming uh, 12 months. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Thank you all so much for listening, for sticking with the podcast for all these years. First episode of this podcast came, was in 2007. And we're going to be 2022 next year. So we'll have to do something to celebrate the 15th anniversary, right? All right. Thank you all. Appreciate it. Uh, we'll see you back here in this space next week. So long, everyone. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week.